0: This is the Pettyworth Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're here for the finale of Pennyworth Season 2, The Lion and Lamb.
1: For once in my life, I wanted to do something useful.
0: Something important.
1: What are you talking about? Your whole life you've been useful and important. No. I was a servant. A lackey, <sighs> bowed and served and opened doors for me betters. Not them, me. You report to me. <laughs> Unuseful, now and again.
0: Welcome back, fellow governors and Gothamites. We're back with the finale of Pennyworth Season 2, Episode 10, The Lion and the Lamb. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there,
1: fellow governors. I am one of your other hosts, John. Yes, The Lion and the Lamb. Although no lions and no lambs in this episode. Mm,
0: figuratively speaking, there may have been a lion and a lamb in the episode. Certainly. <laughs> you know, we've been podcasting about Bruno Heller's uh, vision of the DC world for a very long time. We covered every episode of Gotham uh, when it was on, um, which was five seasons of that show. And we've also covered now two seasons of Pennyworth. Uh, some friends of ours who also podcasted with the, the, uh, Bill Meeks and Anne-Marie D. Simone used to do uh, Legends of Gotham. And they used yes. to have a section in their episodes called That's So Gotham. And as I was watching the finale of Pennyworth, <laughs> all I could think of was, this is so Gotham. Oh, yeah.
1: I think the last these last two episodes mm-hmm. have had that so
0: Gotham. I think since the return of Davos, a.k.a. Uh, Mr. Pennyworth uh, yes. in, his, in his wheelchair, uh, since the, that return where he's got the flashing lights on the front, it really felt like something directly out of their DC universe uh, in, in, in Gotham and now in Pennyworth.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, definitely. And taking a terror bomb uh, and converting that into, dare I say it, um, a superhero? Or dare I say it, super soldier? Yes, super um, soldier. And then yes. certainly uh, that also was pretty um, crazy. Very Gotham, Very um, Gotham I think. Yes. But that was one of the wonders of Gotham, and I uh-huh. think there's elements absolutely in Pennyworth that it was kooky and weird and wonderful. Definitely. It made it wonderful. Yeah. It was on the right side of it. And it was like... It just was like, where are they going to go with this? And I guess this is the last episode. And so... If we also know where they are going to go with it, then certainly there would need to be a season three. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yes. There's, uh, there's no confirmed season three. We did talk about this before. Bruno Heller has said he is writing season three and he's delighted where he's finished his four major characters, which is Thomas Wayne, Martha Wayne, uh, Alfred Pennyworth and Lucius Fox, the four pillars as he calls them of uh, the creation of Batman effectively so he's delighted where he's left them at the end of season two and he's already written a lot of season three he says he's broken it and knows exactly how it's going to go but uh, we don't know whether we're going to be back for a season three so we're going to take season two as the finale of the show as it is uh, this is obviously going to be our spoiler filled discussion for this if you haven't watched season two there's so many big revelations so many big moments and so many big shocks uh, you know Bruno Heller did it again he's uh, twisted quite significantly away from what we expected to happen in this finale
1: absolutely but one of the things i've probably said quite a lot on this podcast gotham Mm -hmm. tv podcast and on defenders tv podcast this intermingling of tv movies and comic material Mm -hmm. and how they can inform one another and what possibilities may come from it you know there's a really interesting idea in this episode, in particular, that will be one of our main points, given the ramifications that it has yep. <laughs> for the um, the Wayne family, mm-hmm. that and the Batverse, and and the Batverse as a whole. Yeah. A whole yeah. But that you know, any comic book writer, and um, any comic book artist. Could you know literally take that up and run with it in terms of creating a storyline around the premise that has been established here? And that's what I kind of really like. And this idea of this cross pollination that can happen not always, sometimes never, but that can happen uh, with the TV shows pushing. New envelopes uh, and the comics and the movies doing the same thing. And then it being taken up in another form of this comic universe that we're in. So, uh, you know, it's always... Really creative, good stuff,
0: I think. Yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, before we get into the episode, just to make sure you know, uh, as we're closing out our Pennyworth podcast, uh, there'll be nothing else going on this feed on the Pennyworth feed for a while. So uh, make sure you join us over on our main feed on TV Podcast Industries. Uh, you can find that through tvpodcastindustries.com, our main website, or just search TV Podcast Industries. You'll get all of the other coverage that we do on a weekly basis. We've uh, done just over 560 episodes of the podcast covering multiple TV shows. Right now we're covering Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Uh, Season 1 We've got uh, 4 episodes in 2 more episodes to go For that show Uh, We're also covering Invincible The animated show From Image Comics And Robert Kirkman Which is airing weekly Over on Amazon Prime Uh, So lots of comics coverage uh, That we're doing Over in TV Podcast Industries We'd love if you joined us For those podcasts As well as the Pennyworth Podcast Uh, Since it's finished And since we don't know When it's returned We don't want to say goodbye To you just yet Come join us for all the other Stuff we're covering yeah, exactly. And of course, we've literally uh, just
1: finished up uh, at the start of March our division mm-hmm. coverage as well. So there's plenty to dive into the over on tvpodcastindustries.com. Yep. So and please join us, support us, subscribe, leave a review
0: because sharing the podcast is sharing the love absolutely and while we may be going away from pennyworth uh, you can always email us you can always reach out to us at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com if you have any thoughts or just want to catch up about pennyworth uh, in between series more than welcome to contact us over there. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let's get into our spoiler-filled discussion about the Lion and Lamb, the tenth and final episode of season two of Pennyworth. Uh, this episode was written by showrunner and creator of Pennyworth, the TV show, uh, Bruno Heller. Um, and yes, you can tell, as we mentioned earlier on, uh, episode directed by Rob Bailey. who's done a number of episodes this season. Some of the some of the really good episodes of uh, of Pennyworth as well. So a good collaborator on board uh, for this for this final episode.
1: Yes, and your theory holds up that the showrunner writing the first and last episodes of the series at least those two Mm -hmm. uh, is always a good sign it shows their creative juices are on board for the majority of the season even though there may be a writer's room or other writers involved uh, in the show and for individual episodes so yeah yep well done creative juices from bruno heller
0: Well, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the finale of Season 2, Pennyworth?
1: Sure. With the recovered vial of Stormcloud in hand, Alfie, Lucius, Dave Boy and Thomas, along with his father, drive back to London in triumph. As Alfie returns to tell his mother of his dad's survival and Stormcloud is taken to the English League, all is not quite as triumphant as they appear. Gully Troy is looking for Alfie. His father has something to hide and the vial containing Stormcloud is a fake. At the Raven Union headquarters, John Salt rejects the League's unconditional surrender after they discover his ruse, and he makes his way up to his penthouse, ready to unleash the real Stormcloud, safely positioned in London, ready for detonation. Back in London, with all hope lost, some try and make a run for it, while Thomas and Martha say yes, and ask Prime Minister Aziz to marry them. Yay. Meanwhile, back at Alfie's home, Mrs Pennyworth is shocked to see her husband, but finds it in her heart to forgive him. However, the atmosphere is uncomfortable and tense, and things get worse when Alfie learns of his father's involvement in the Raven Union's deception. Upset and angry, Alfie's home truths to his father and some words from his wife convince him to reveal the location of Stormcloud, which is in Lord Harwood's coffin.
0: Also yay.
1: As they race against time to defuse the bomb, they are helped when Salt runs into the fists and boots of Bette and Peggy Sykes back at Raven Union headquarters. But Salt manages to push the trigger, but is arrested by the army and Francis Gaunt resumes leadership of the Raven Union. In London, Stormcloud activates, but Quick Thinking sees Gully swallow the capsule, preventing a devastating detonation. But unfortunately for Gully, it detonates in his stomach. Six months later, as the Raven Union launches its final assault on London, Martha gives birth to a girl, and the English League, led by Alfie and Bette Sykes, unleash a new weapon on the Raven Union
0: forces. Could they have done more in episode 10? uh of season 2 of there's <laughs> so much going on here so many uh, great points hit uh, in this final episode and so many interesting twists and turns lots to talk about here but the first thing i want to kick off with John um you mentioned in your synopsis that uh Lucius Dayboy and Thomas along with uh Alfie's father drive back to London in Triumph. They don't drive back in a Triumph. They drive back in another car. They do. Very, very visible, if you're a fan of old 60s Batman. I don't know whether we uh, didn't notice it in last week's episode. We didn't. um, Whether it was just not as, uh, as clear in the last episode. I
1: think I was too bamboozled by the
0: fluttering flags of the Stars and Stripes. Maybe that's it. But I'm sure they expected us all to notice that this looks exactly like... The Batmobile from Adam West's Batman uh, that they're driving around in. So does is is that car is that is that Alfred Pennyworth's car that he brings with him over to, or is that Thomas Wayne's uh, car that he brings with him over to Gotham and it becomes the Batmobile? Is that is that what happens?
1: No, well, I I just took it that it is the U.S. Embassy's mm-hmm. car. Yeah. So I guess if there are a few lying around, if they are kind of U.S. government issue, mm-hmm. um, then Thomas maybe may Thomas.
0: Home. Picks one up. Maybe Thomas provided
1: it, but it's ultimately figures. a black Cadillac, so
0: it's pretty, I it's, guess, it's ubiquitous. Red, yeah, in... but it's the red interior and the black Cadillac that make it look exactly like. Oh, the absolutely! Batmobile. Now, it's the a Bat- clear
1: reference yeah. to the Batmobile from the the sixties Batman, yeah, uh, which is fantastic.
0: Um, but I guess this one will be left in the UK. You never know. You never know. They may bring it with them when they fl- when they go over to Gotham eventually. Uh, but I know the actual uh, Batmobile that was on uh, Adam, Adam West's Batman show that was a concept car. There weren't very many of those produced. So this is a reference rather than the exact car because... Uh, it's been a very long time uh, since that, that car was out there. But just to point it out, uh, we did notice that this episode looked really cool with uh, with Alf- Alfie uh, and Dave Boy in the car, uh, definitely looking like uh, Batman and Robin in the uh, in the car. That was very cool.
1: Yes, and uh, Alfie's dad is still on the back seat there, <laughs> looking like the, the dog with its ears flapping in the wind um, out of the back of a car. But they're mm-hmm. taking um,
0: Mr. Pennyworth back, to Mrs. Pennyworth. Absolutely. That uh, kind of kicks off our yeah. first point, as usual. Alfie and the boys in the job, because there's always a job and there's always Alfie and a rotating group of boys. Uh, this time, as always, a day boy at his side, but a rotating group of the lads, really. Uh, in this, in this moment, as we said, uh, everybody's together, uh, with Thomas and, and everybody returning from Ravenhead HQ. Um, will we talk about the job here? Uh, what actually happens? So, um, Gully has gone to threaten uh Alfie, back at his home, after uh, after recovering from his attack, uh, he calls in on Miss, on Mrs. P um, to chat to her about where Alfie could be. And he does have a great uh, tete-a-tete, let's say, with Mrs. P, where she uh, gives him a bit of what for. Tells him well, what kind does. of woman his wife really is.
1: She does say <laughs> that, you know, Alfie has been a naughty boy yeah. and she is sorry for him, but she does say that his wife is all silk blouse and no knickers, Love it. Uh, which is a great uh, turn of phrase yeah. from Mrs. Pennyworth uh, to Gully, who, yes, is like, you know, like a dog with a bone. He just won't give up and mm-hmm. is searching uh, around all of Alfie's haunts uh, to to try and find him as he's on the way back into London. Yeah. Um. So Alfie drops off um, Lucius and Thomas, um, at the English League's headquarters mm-hmm. with the vial of Stormcloud. Yeah. And um, whilst he and his father head on over to um the family home. But it's in this moment that they, you know, they're all celebrating. Everyone is high on life, on mm-hmm. triumph, you know, um they're they're all wanting to see the the faces of uh the Raven Union High command uh, realizing that they have no, you know they've failed effectively. Yeah. Uh we see Gully then storming in coming to uh the English League high command to see where Alfie is and you know spots this a bit like me with the stars and stripes fluttering in last week's episode uh-huh. got gets bamboozled by the bright blue light of Stormcloud <laughs> and accidentally drops it and this is the moment where as it releases, as the casing cracks, um, everyone suddenly realises that they're not dead. And (laughs) um, this is when, you know, cut to the Raven Union, we see that immediately Aziz is effectively giving the unconditional surrender of the English League forces, of which Salt is not having any of it. He says, I mean, in, in a sense... He's always wanted to drop it. And this comes out from uh, Field Marshal Thursday, mm-hmm. uh, where he says you had no intention of uh, allowing them to surrender. This was always your plan. And it yeah. has been. It's been his design all the way through. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's kind of um. this is the thing that happens here. And coupled to this then is is what happens at Alfie's homes. I mean, first off, there's the big reintroduction of his dad to his mother. Yes. But also there is the deception that his dad has done, which is primarily that he knows of the plan, Mm -hmm. but has kept the secret. Because he doesn't need to detonate it. That's being done remotely by John Salt. It is simply to give them the illusion of triumph yeah. and do this deception. Yeah. Um, and of course, the the reintroduction of it, you know, like a great pot of tea is wasted um, with his <laughs> reintroduction as Mrs. Pennyworth faints. I mean, she's delighted to see Alfie, yeah, but then all of a sudden, you know, this Dalek-like creature appears in the kind of musty atmosphere mm-hmm. of the Pennyworth home. And uh, I love the fact that he's holding a bouquet of flowers because it is oh, kind of like, yeah. you know, nature versus technology. Well, yes, yes. Um, you just could imagine that he would kind of crush them or, like, run over them <laughs> in his wheelchair. Um, but, uh, yeah, massive pot of tea wasted um as she faints and comes back around and i have to say these actually are really these scenes in um their home are really powerful Mm -hmm. Um, you know between his dad and his mom in terms of their reconciliation you know this idea i wanted to be somebody i wanted to do something um I only ever felt I was a servant, you know, I doffed the cap, I bent the knee um, for people richer than me but no better. Uh, I, You know, all of this kind of thing, and he felt he was worthless and that he didn't matter. Yeah. And, you know, you get this really strong emotional link with, um, you know, with Mrs. Pennyworth saying, but you mattered to me, you mattered to us, that, you know, you just... Didn't appreciate what you had, or who loved you, yeah. who um, appreciated you, and I, this is, you know, I think it's really
0: good stuff here. Absolutely, and, and you know, it's talking about the radicalization of this character. You know, yeah. it's talking about the fact that he he was a servant, he was a, he was a, a man servant or a, or a butler um, for the upper classes. So what you do have is this this kind of thing that's run through a, a lot of the Batman stories. We saw it in the Dark Knight Rises. This idea of the middle class rising up against the rich, effectively. But then you take a look at the people that are heading up the Raven Union. And for the most part, they're lords and ladies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you did have Lord Harwood. Uh, you now have Sir John Salt uh, leading up uh, the Raven Union. And their opponents are also very rich people. You have the Queen as a leader of <laughs> of uh, the English League, um, along with the Prime Minister, effectively. Um, so... While you you get his understanding that he wants to rise up and change the status quo, and that's why the Raven Union is formed, and that's why, the, why why he's so on board in the Raven Union side, what you hear from him is these excuses for falling in with this and him not realizing what he had. Um, you know, I, I kind of like hearing Mrs. Pennyworth say to him, um, I didn't realize how unhappy you were. Because if maybe if I if you'd been happier in our situation, then you wouldn't have been as stupid as you were uh, to join this group effectively. So that's what gets to him really—that idea that he's let his wife down. Um, while you well you said in your in your synopsis, she forgives him, she forgives him, but knows he's been stupid. It's yeah, not like and, she's and has
1: done has done wrong. Yeah. I mean, she says, "I didn't realize you were so unhappy." I mean, yeah. that you get this real sense of depression yeah. from him that like he didn't understand the people who cared for him, who loved him. And be- that stiff upper lip, that you know, rigid protocol of serving um, just inhibited him. I mean, it really does to me kind of, it almost has echoes of Howard's End okay. with Anthony Hopkins. This the The portrayal of the servant mm-hmm. as being emotionally um undeveloped right. and not able to deal with um i guess a wider reality from right. their service and the, the you know the the soft relationships and and social mm-hmm. um nuances in an informal setting right. you know that yep. kind of thing yep. um or or you know blind obedience in whatever form that comes because effectively he's gone from that butler figure to you know carrying out the plan of the raven union to the point that he will sacrifice not only himself but his wife and son and i think that comes to one of the other great aspects of here is that you know we talk about the deception and alfred gets a call from aziz to say that the Stormcloud file was a dud. Um, and it, it's it's not the deception to the wiser organisation. Um, I mean, the whole atmosphere anyway is tense and slightly strange. It's weird, you know, because they thought he was dead. Mm-hmm. And they're all dealing
0: with that. I love how Hoffie leads into it with his father saying to him, no proclamations, no explanations, no speeches to mom. I want you to go back and apologise to her. And that's it, or else you're not going back at all, basically, Uh, because he's had that line about you know um, some things are worth if some things are worth dying for they're worth killing for, and Alfie's like nah, none of that stuff. (laughs) Yeah,
1: well, dare I say you could cut the tension with a plain digestive biscuit. uh, (laughs) Is I have to absolutely disagree with Dave Boy. Is literally the worst biscuit <gasps> you could
0: possibly, maybe with some chocolate on it. Yeah. No, but it's great. It's a great dipping no. biscuit. And its comparative no. is, is that it's much better than a Jaffa cake. Save no. those. Uh, you get your dip and biscuit for your tea. Uh, I, I I understand. I understand. It's very plain. Ew. But I like it. I like it. No, uh, no. But anyway, yes, Alfie's reaction to the phone call when he gets it from, Ex- uh, from Aziz is so good. This yeah. this moment where he's saying yeah. to his father. Jack
1: Bannon, again, really delivers
0: yeah. um, a great emotional performance here. Yeah. But when he's um, saying to his father, you know, um, why have you done this? And his father's saying, well, because we're nobodies, we can sacrifice people like us for the greater good the greater good um, and Alfie's kind of going she's not nobody she's my mom why would you kill her you know and that's a really good performance from Jack exactly really, really and
1: but it was also him personally as much for his mom but for himself you know I thought I was getting my dad back he says yeah. he says I thought you know you gave me the gun because I was your son and because you loved me yeah. not because of some deception I mean this it is um, this idea of feeling betrayed here, and and protective of his mother, and about their relationship and their love that he somehow seems to be casting everything, their entire family relationship, the years they've spent yeah. aside, and yeah, it's delivered really, really well by Jack Bannon here. I must say, I really thought it was quite powerful yeah. and i i think you know ultimately this blast of emotion and anger by alfred along with you know his, his mom um ultimately convinces his dad i mean yeah. it all centers around this picture of him and alfie yeah
0: and a black white um photograph yeah Absolutely love that moment when Alfie smashes the picture frame of that picture, and his mom gets really annoyed, saying she bought that then in uh, in Wix for ten shillings. You know, yeah. really expensive photo frame. Why are you smashing that? You know, um, it's a, it's a really good scene, but kind of leads us into his father finally making the turn to the right side um, and revealing that. Well, revealing that we were right, finally, that one of the only things we get right about this episode, uh, we were right. The funeral that, that had happened for Lord Harwood was a way of John Salt placing Stormclad in London without anybody finding out. Uh, Stormclad is in the um, coffin with the body of Lord yeah. Harwood and the church. Uh This is revealed by Mr. P to uh, to Pennyworth and uh, and Dave Boy, and they rush off to the church uh, to try and stop it in a, as I say, in a real Batman and Robin way. You know, you see them arriving, stopping the car, running into the church, and then getting um, confronted by a priest inside, a gun-toting priest, because, again, this is Pennyworth. (laughs) So, of course, we're going to see a gun-toting priest inside. I wasn't sure, because there's no real declaration of it in the episode. I wasn't sure whether the priest... Is a member of the Raven Union who has been, is supposed to be protecting the body of Lord Harwood, or is he just a priest that's really unhappy with people grave robbing? <laughs> is it just, he's so used to London now, he carries a
1: gun? Well, I guess the way in which he was unceremoniously dispatched mm-hmm. by Gully, which is effectively he's executed with a bullet to the head, and um, then, you would it would kind of lead you towards that he is yes this kind of undercover guard to some extent mm-hmm. but i actually just took it as a regular chaplain or priest um who was had seen two people rifling really? through the a coffin, coffin. Yeah. of a dead person yeah. and an important dead person yes, exactly. lying kind of in state i guess yeah. and so I thought the comedic element was that, you know, it came out with this machine gun and Uh starts firing on them. It kind of does, you know, it's that comedy element of the, you know... One of the ladies, a, a lady picking up a machine gun with a big hairdo, and all the the kickback start. You know, the uh-huh. hair begins to disintegrate as the you know the beehive starts yes. to fall apart, and it felt the same here. This, um, this chaplain wielding this, you know,
0: this lethal weapon mm-hmm. um, but ultimately he does get taken out absolutely it does kind of remind me of the start of the season when we were uh, hoping we are going to see lots of grannies with guns because that's what we saw in the first episode <laughs> yeah. we saw the grannies with guns in the first episode and now we see uh, a priest with a gun uh, a priest with an assault rifle uh, taking them down but yes uh, Gully arrives with um, with Lucius Fox uh, hopefully going to be able to be the team together these four people together hopefully going to be the ones to stop Stormcloud um, from exploding because uh What we hear from John Salt, he doesn't give a timeline on it. They usually do give a timeline, but he doesn't give a timeline. He says uh, he's going to set off Stormcled in London, but they won't have time to get out. Yeah. Uh, So everybody has to stay there. They'll have time enough to say goodbyes. It's really because... Exactly.
1: It's about an hour, he says, at Raven Union. But it's ultimately not enough time for them to escape, but enough time for them to say
0: goodbye. And only because Mr. P has told them where the bomb is that they've been able to get there yeah. with enough time to save it effectively. Uh, I like that they have Lucius Fox here, one well, of the creators of Stormcloud, along with the other scientists in, in the Raven Union. Hopefully he's going to be able to stop it. Um, but unfortunately, the button is pushed uh, as he's going through his his steps of uh, of saving it. Um, he says the only way to stop it now, there is a way to uh, to cancel out Stormcloud, which is by putting it into a metal box and dropping it into the ocean, which they definitely don't have time to do. No. Um, And then the decision is taken by Alfie, (laughs) first off, uh, to potentially maybe if I swallow it, that would stop uh, the bomb from going off. This was the lovely, weird
1: element. It (laughs) looked like a big, you know, bright blue glowing gobstopper. And Mm -hmm. it was like... I'm going to swallow this, you know, wash it down with Dave Boy's whiskey. Yeah. And, but then we get the chain of command uh, thing from Gully. It goes, no, I'm the senior officer here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it.
0: If anyone's going to be a hero here, it's going to be me. So you have the the craziness
1: of it all, but it is kind of... It's the weird, wonderful element yeah. here.
0: But I love the idea of what could it hurt? If the bomb goes off, we're all dead. If I swallow the bomb and it doesn't do anything, we're all dead anyway. So I might as well try and see if I, if by swallowing it, it'll stop the bomb from going off. Um, yes, so it is Gully that swallows it. And uh, he gets taken out and, and brought into ambulance later on uh, by the attendants. Because it doesn't kill... It doesn't go off and kill everybody in the room. It just... Turns gully blue, effectively. So, um, so kind of like something out of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. He's been uh, he's been turned blue, um, like, yeah, or violet. Yeah, violet. exactly. Um, I
1: mean, it also it immediately, you know, screams Mister Freeze type blue as oh, well 100%. to some yeah. extent. Yeah. But once the explosion has gone off and he's fallen to the floor of the church, the color drains from him um, slightly. So you see the blue rising up around his neck and then onto his face. Yeah. And then it's kind of like he dies. And so the color drains and is carted off by the, you know, hazardous containment units. Yes.
0: Now, Two things in this episode. So this is the second one of them. Two things in this episode. So the explosion in the hazardous van. uh, You see the blue smoke rising. You see the explosion. And Alfie goes up and opens the door. Yeah, and you see the wisps
1: of blue smoke coming round um, the door. And you're like thinking...
0: That's Could a, he still die? Well, that's the containment unit. Yeah. If Stormcloud is being released now, he's just opened the containment unit, possibly killing all of London, effectively. If this was just a delay to the reaction. But it was coming out
1: anyway. But I guess it... I mean, they. I mean, Lucia says it must be that Stormcloud was deactivated by some bioenzyme yeah. in his stomach. So Old I guess... Boffins. I guess that's what happened, ultimately. <laughs> yes, but I love because, that he has no answer to yeah. it.
0: But yes, you don't go up and open the door because he may have just slowed down the explosion. But it's the second time in this episode because even that moment when in the English League when they're holding what they thought was Stormcloud, it's not exactly protected from somebody sitting on it by mistake, Gully picking it up and dropping it on the floor and smashing yeah, it and by mistake.
1: It's the first time when Lucius says at the the English League uh, headquarters and in front of Aziz and all the high command, effectively, Mm -hmm. the leading politicians that it needs to be put in a hermetically sealed box uh, and buried. Um, My question would be, why would you take a terror bomb to (laughs) your prime minister? It's kind of
0: like, I don't... That's not what you do. (laughs) I know. know. There's health and safety and there's checks (laughs) these people should be doing. um, But luckily... It doesn't turn out as bad as it could have. Uh, there is no Stormcloud in London. And that's kind of where we leave Alfie and the boys in the job there, effectively. They've they've saved London from Stormcloud. It hasn't gone off. Um, and the only person that seems to have been affected by it is Gully by swallowing uh, Stormcloud.
1: Yes. And apparently is maybe not as dead as we think because of what happens in the ambulance uh, where, you know, there's all this kind of... Rocking of the vehicle mm-hmm. and so on. So you think he's dead, but it looks like he could still be alive. But you get the shock horror from Alfie on exactly. his face. Exactly. Um, what's but happened. that's ultimately where um, it it ends in that yeah. sense. Yeah, I
0: want to give a big shout out to uh, Patrick Lemke, uh, one of our listeners uh, over on Twitter, who contacted us to say that. This is possibly a reference to a DC Comics character, a character that was actually created in the 40s Um, during the war. It eventually became a DC character, Uh, a character called um, Human Bomb. Uh, The character itself was Roy Lincoln. Um, What happened with this character? And you'll like the origin story here, Mm -hmm. John. uh, So effectively, himself and his father were creating a big weapon um, to destroy foreign armies. When they were attacked and the weapon was going to be taken from them, Roy Lincoln took it upon himself to swallow the weapon, hoping that it would protect it from getting into the hands of the enemy Thinking it would kill him, and it doesn't kill him. It turns him into the human bomb, yeah, a person that can stuff. throw explosives at people from his body. Effectively, yeah. He did continue throughout DC for many, many years. He's been uh, featured in, in as in multiple times in multiple comics over the years. So, uh, so good catch there, Patrick. Um, that this could potentially be a reference to that character, at least the style. It's not Gully is not the same as Roy Lincoln. and Roy Lincoln seems to have done this uh, particular um act as a as a saving act and he is a hero in the comics uh gully as we've seen this series i don't know whether anybody would call him a hero he's not a great guy as such our gully
1: no yeah no but ultimately it's duty to his country i guess it's coming from that perspective yeah thanks patrick for that really good uh, really
0: good bit of, bit of
1: feedback yeah that's, that's uh really a great catch uh thanks, patrick. Um, but given all this commotion, given that the English League know, uh, that the storm cloud vial is not, um, is, is not real, that it's a fake, that actually it's already in place to be detonated. I think moving on to our second point of the English League, uh-huh. this causes, um, Aziz to offer surrender, which Salt refuses. Yep. And with Salt saying, you can say goodbye, but I won't give you enough time to escape. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that there are some people in the English League uh, there that go, right, see ya, I'm off, bye. You'd have a go. Yeah, so they make their way and then others are resigning themselves. Effectively, this is where you get the big yes to the proposal of marriage Mm -hmm. uh, for both of them, ultimately, you know, that... Martha stands her ground and says, I'm not going to try and leave. You know, Thomas's first reaction yeah. is, let's try and get you on a plane out of here as quickly as possible. Yeah. And Martha's kind of, no, I've I've spent the last however many years of my life helping to defend the English League yeah. and, and be a part of this struggle. I, w- I want to stay here, but I want to be married to you. And you have this... Ceremony of marriage performed by
0: Aziz. Absolutely. he's really chipper about the fact that they've asked him. I know. It's like, well, might as well do it. We have nothing else to do. We're all going to die anyway. So uh, why not not have a lovely little ceremony? But I love that it is a really quick ceremony uh, that Aziz gives very much. uh, Do you take uh, her to be your wife? Do you take him to be your husband? Uh, Yes. Kiss the bride. Right. Off we go. Um, so, uh, the, so a a wartime wedding for the Waynes. Uh, I like yes, like that. Nice, nice little, nice little moment. And we do have uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne uh, married going into season two uh, with a baby on the way, oh, which absolutely. we'll come back to. <laughs> we will come back to that for sure because it is not the baby you think it might be. Well, it's even more not the baby that you think it might, might be as well. Uh, well, exactly. our, our prediction was also wrong on that, on that front. We'll come back to it in a second. Uh, our last major point is about the Raven Union usually. But this time we have changed it to Beth and Peggy sites uh, dismantling the Raven Union basically with a couple of quick punches and a couple of quick kicks. Um, we have Beth and Peggy still waiting uh, in the penthouse for John Salt to arrive because they've got his partner Vicky De French. Um, they've they've used her to get themselves up to the penthouse, and we have yes another wonderful Peggy moment where she's. What's the phrase? Losing the rag Um, with yeah. with um, John Salt. Uh, I love that she t- makes Vicky DeFrench take the first punch uh, on Salt. <laughs> yeah. Makes her hit him, uh, knocking him down, and yeah. then she can take action effectively. Uh, Beth can can kick him and punch him as much as possible. Trying to use a little bit of reverse psychology on her uh, when she finds the button uh, that controls um, Stormcloud uh, Trying to tell her, no, you can't press that button. Don't do it. Uh, trying to get her to press the button because he seems to know that that's the kind of thing that Bet, uh would do. Uh, once again, Peggy stepping in and kind of going, he's trying to be smart with you. Don't yeah. let him do it. Don't let him twist you. But ultimately, it comes down to that. It comes down to the battle over the activation button in Raven HQ. Um and he gets to press it as well. And we know, because we've been seeing the other side of the of the battle, we know that they haven't been able to deactivate Stormcloud on the other side. But he does get to push the button uh, in this scene here. So Yeah, he activates the detonation, yeah. which is kind of because it seems, you know, got to be
1: an aerosol. You see it starting to fuse in the capsule uh-huh. uh, that is in the church in London that Alfie and Lucius are all trying to diffuse yeah. and figure out what to do with it so i mean there's some nice intercutting here yeah i think the the beating of john salt by peggy in it's again got i i I guess it's the hair on john salt it kind of goes all curly
0: and out of shape and it's very comedic oh no, it's not just the hair, it's also the teeth. And the teeth in this case. Brutalised yeah. by Bess as well, being kicked multiple, multiple times. Uh, and because he's pressed the button, we have Francis Gaunt in here in the room, and we have, um eventually, we have uh, Field Marshal Thursday arriving in with his forces to take down John Salt. He's pushed the button, they know this, they know he's gone mad, they know he's lost control of the Raven Union. So Raven Union is now... Back under control of Francis Goddard. Well,
1: that's it, because we have this strange kind of thing right at the start where John Salt is flicking elastic bands at uh, the army guards and then Uh fires them at Field Marshal Thursday, who, you know, is then given the information that this is all going to happen anyway. And so you know very much john salt has done this coup within the raven union structures yeah. but sidelines the army and of course well, just like we talked about last week yeah, all, all exactly. of his
0: men all wearing their kind of nazi outfits for the raven union and then they take uh, thursday away yes exactly know, and take all of his men away as well so, yeah. yeah
1: but it's interesting because i almost felt as well that john salt because he comes up to the penthouse because he's in his main office yeah um And, you know, he's he's there opening and closing the protector over the button. Yeah. It almost felt like he was a little hesitant. Oh, yeah. There was some kind of realization of what impact and the consequences or the ramifications of pushing that button would have. Absolutely. Um, And certainly given he's just declined the surrender of the English League. Yeah. Uh, The challenge by Field Marshal Thursday. And so it's, he goes off up to his penthouse in order to kind of, I guess, maybe get away from the, those staring eyes,
0: the eyes of judgment. Remember this is a reference to last to last episode when he told Alfie if he dropped Stormcloud he would become the biggest mass murderer in the world and killing all of those innocents in the local towns in the area and that's about that's what he's about to become when he pushes that button. He's about to become a mass murderer. He may have murdered people as as we've seen he's tortured and killed people in the past that we've seen on screen. He's led people to their death like Harwood, but now if he pushes that button on his own He's becoming a mass murderer, effectively. So you hear him saying to himself, John, you can do this. John, this is your time. This is your moment. John, you can do this. So you hear him talking to himself... Like a crazy cartoon character that he is uh, by this stage, the crazy comic book DC character affected that he's become. Um, so it, he's trying to talk himself into it, but it feels like he is hesitant, that, he's, uh, that absolutely. he's not 100% sure. And
1: it feels that the intervention of Bette and Peggy Sykes here, because they take the trigger control away from him, mm-hmm. it suddenly becomes about the plan that he's done. And so. I don't want to be failed because of someone else. If I'm not going to hit the button because it's me making that decision, so be it. Exactly. But because they take away that trigger, you know, he gets involved in a brawl to do it and manage it. It's almost like a thumb war that they have on the trigger, and but he he manages to depress it, and that's when you see him become a bit. Uh, maniacal really mm-hmm. and with the kind of full set of bloody kind of uh broken teeth he really does kind of like look like the the crazy mad scientist that has developed this who has become the crazy mad politician and mm-hmm. um, so it, it's great visuals i think for for john salt uh for sure but he's ultimately uh carted away by Thursday, not Wednesday, um <laughs> with Francis Gaunt r- assuming or reassuming the role of the leader of the Raven Union, I'm in
0: control now,, yes. yes, yes,
1: and of course, with all of that, it seems like maybe the negotiation for peace between the two would happen on a level playing field, yeah. you know that where we saw them approach one another on the field to yeah. when the intentions were deemed to be pure by at least the English League mm-hmm. Um so you kind of think maybe with Francis Gaunt that it would get better but it could certainly yeah
0: she is certainly the more restrained of everybody that's involved in the yeah. Raven Union she questioned Harwood when he was going off the deep end uh, under the control of Salt effectively as uh, she clearly questioned Salt uh, a bit too much uh, and that's why she ended off where she was uh, as well so, So uh, with her in charge and with Thursday in charge. Now, remember, Thursday, of course, is the one that's been saying that he was about to win the war. So he's he is certainly against the uh, against the English League. He certainly uh, he he wouldn't be looking for peace. He would be looking for the win here. But you're right. Yeah, it cuts to our actual final point, our post-credit scene, almost our uh, our passage of time six months later. The battle actually rages on is what we find. Um, we Cut to the opening scene where we have uh, Thomas and Martha uh, sitting on on the couch, Martha now fully pregnant at this stage, bombs going off outside the house as they're watching uh, broadcasts from the English League that get interrupted by um, the Raven Union's version of Blue Peter. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it really did look like that. Yeah. Blue Peter being a British uh, magazine show for children. It's uh, got yeah. very upbeat hosts, always very positive, and they come in with a really positive vibe of, uh, don't ju- don't adjust your sets, the Raven Union have taken over, you don't need to worry, now we're in control uh, from, from uh, one end of the country to the other. So it feels like they have now broken into London at this stage, and they have uh, yeah. broken the borders and starting to take control of London. At um, least BBC Television Center that they've broken into and taken control yeah, of.
1: Yeah, it looks more like they've cut the signal mm-hmm. and they're now broadcasting on their own frequency yeah. um, to get into every box set, um, TV box of anyone in in London. And again, another great little aerial visual. I think they've done this really well this season of London
0: being bombarded by the Raven Union missiles. Absolutely. As I well. just looked at my notes and, and I completely forgot what the actual broadcast that Thomas and Martha were watching. It was... Sandra has made it uh, as a as a big singer. She's on TV yes. now. She's singing uh, Rock and Roll Suicide, the David Bowie song. Beautifully singing it once again. I love the choice of music that had been given to Sandra the whole way through uh, this series. But that's the broadcast that Thomas and Martha are watching. Uh, Alfie's old, old girlfriend, uh, who he dumped and then went back to, has now made it. So it is... Uh, at least she gets a nice, happy ending for her story.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But... As the bombs rain down, Martha is going to go off and fight, but her waters yep. break, mm. and you see then... War baby. Um, a war baby, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it is a baby girl. Yes, it is. So that is the big craziness here that we... Ha- I mean, it's not crazy, no. but it in terms of, I guess, the preconceptions that we had of... It could have been Bruce, but I know at least I thought that... Um, Alfie was too young still yeah. compared to Gotham um, and if even if it maybe isn't a continuity but that
0: that timeline would mean
1: you know he'd be too young Yeah. Um, I think
0: when Bruno Heller announced that Martha was going to be pregnant this season I think in general most people thought Pregnant with Bruce, yeah, it was the was the concept. But uh, we talked about it on, on the podcast a couple of a couple of weeks ago, a couple of episodes ago. We were wondering whether her being pregnant, there is in continuity an older sibling uh, to Bruce. There is a Thomas Wayne Junior, and we were going, do you think they do that? Do you think they would pull the rug out of the major audience and go, we'll have Thomas Wayne Junior here? Well, they went even further. They pulled the rug out of us, and uh, and they now have a sister, a a. a a Wayne girl has been born here. Now, one thing you always have to remember with comic books and, you know, DC's probably got a bit more of this than, than Marvel do in, in general. Remember Marvel has a big connected movie universe. So for the most part, they don't have multiverses at the moment, but in the TV series for, uh, for the DC shows, like for example, flash yeah. uh, on the CW will be, that will be the prime example of this. Every single character lives in a different universe. They, regularly travel to Earth 1 through 99 or Earth uh, 1 through 700, effectively. So they have multiple Earths where there's multiple different versions of the characters that we see, and they they use that quite a lot uh, in DC TV specifically. Uh, Marvel TV doesn't tend to use that very often. We know we're going into a multiverse time uh, in, Mar- in, in Marvel Universe, so we may, may see some of that uh, in the future. But for the most part, we don't see it very much in Marvel. It's mostly a DC thing. So what's happened here is there is now a continuity where Pennyworth, the TV show, and potentially Gotham, the TV show, live in their own DC universe. Yeah. In the same way that Supergirl, uh, when it was originally created, was on its own universe and then it moved over to where all the other CW shows uh, sit. They're now all in the same universe. So I thought that was really interesting. The idea, you know, obviously not beyond the realm of possibility that Thomas and Martha could have a girl at some in some other Alternate universe, right? So it seems like yeah, a, yeah. another earth story, right? Absolutely. Um, it, it
1: really, really does. Yeah. Um, so like Jews again. I the
0: Hellerverse, we'll call it. Because I like the name, the Hellerverse. That is a good name. I like that.
1: Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, so again, I think as we were saying at the start, this would be really nice to see in a season three, mm-hmm. for sure. We'll have a um, couple
0: of years jump, like you know, three yeah, or four yeah. years, and then we have a, a young... Uh, a young daughter of uh, Thomas and Martha uh, and see how she's how she's getting on. Yeah, definitely. I think
1: it'd be really, really interesting.
0: Yeah, And yeah, just to mention, you kind of mentioned earlier on as well, just Gaunt on Thursday are in control of the Raven Union. They are certainly leading this attack on London, which you kind of wouldn't have expected. As as you mentioned, you yeah. kind of would have expected that they would have had some kind of uh, overture towards uh, the Raven Union and, and uh, the English League. Coming together in some way uh, since all of this battle that happened. This might have been a turning point in this battle, yeah. but what we find is everybody, all of our main characters that we've been following are now in the English League. We have Alfie, Beth, Dave Boy, we have Katie as well, all yeah. on the front lines here. Um, Katie and, and Beth specifically are trying to take down a tank. Uh, from the Raven Union that has arrived in the city. Uh, London's looking very much in disarray from all the bombing that's been going on. Yeah, proper
1: urban warfare, you know, with all the bricks uh, and all the destruction uh, sort of around and about. Uh, But it's a really, there's a real funny moment where, you know, the, the Raven Union have got tanks, they've got machine guns, and, you know, it looks more like the English League are kind of, you know, resistance fighters. Yeah. That really it is a matter of time. And then this bread van pulls up with Alfie and Dave Boy, yeah. and there's some really, like, funny, snidey remarks coming from the Raven Union soldiers. It's like, I'll have a ham and cheese sandwich, please, <laughs> you know. or And they start off with, is this a tank? No, it's a bloody it's a- bread van <laughs> like- um so re- I, but out of this bread van does come the English league secret weapon, which is a weaponized gully uh-huh. Troy
0: It feels like a Christmas tree though yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As comes out
1: who is able now to fire I guess bolts of storm cloud out um directed at uh the raven union soldiers who yeah. have that same effect where they go blue and then gray almost like yeah. they turn to black and white exactly uh, tv footage yeah. um and we have Lucius Fox there as well bringing him out so it looks mm-hmm. like Lucius Fox has had a, a, a you know a role in his uh
0: development I should think, we say I think Lucius probably created the suit that he has to wear effectively to keep him alive. Uh, that's what I think has happened yeah. here. Uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting. To see this moment, and real like a really fun moment because it's such a surprise uh, that Gully's still alive and he's the superpowered soldier. Also interesting to note, Alfie is now a colonel uh, in the in uh, the English League. We see uh, Beth talking to him like she knows him basically, and he kind of says, "Have you forgotten your manners, soldier?" Effectively, so he is now <laughs> yeah. he is now colonel in the in the English League. Um, yeah, real shocker, but also you know. You don't think the English League were going to be winning this battle? You see some of the lads from uh, from the team running up with their rocket launcher, trying to take out the uh, trying to take out the uh, the tank. Uh, one rocket misses completely, and the second one he takes so long uh, setting up the shot that they all get blown away and killed. so yeah. yeah you know, if guerrilla warfare has to be quick, and you have to make, maintain uh, cover, or else uh, this may happen to you. But yes, that is our final moment. We have. Pennyworth and the boys going over the over the top effectively Pennyworth in the lead uh, of Katie and Bess and and uh, and now super powered gully who does look like Mr Freeze as you mentioned earlier on uh, yes going into the final battle with uh, with the raven union Yeah I mean it feels really comic booky actually oh, with gully
1: thing? in that suit. that's where it's kind of like it feels l- it, the link to to Gotham Yeah um has maybe started seeing this Super fueled, I guess, in a yeah. super powered um,
0: protagonist in yeah. this episode. Were you expecting the moment? Because when we uh, not to keep uh, keep going back to Gotham, but uh, but back in Gotham, there was a moment where all of our major cast, like at the end of season, uh, the middle of season five, I think it was, where the whole of the cast of our team of Gotham got together to battle the attackers, shouting for Gotham out loud. Uh, to the air as they went into battle. It really felt like yeah. you could have had a for London moment here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where where uh, Alfie shadowed that out in the lead. But, uh, but that's where we leave Pennyworth, the show, Pennyworth season two, um, with this battle still raging. So. We had hoped that the battle would be over, the, the, uh, the, the war would be over, and that maybe season three, if there is one, would move on, and we'd have a resolution to that. That didn't happen. We still have that war raging on, and uh, no clear winner here, uh, at the moment. But, uh, if Gully's able to do that to every person that he comes across, um, it may not be a long war. Absolutely. It just not. has to be placed in the right, in the right position to attack, uh, everybody and take them all out. And we have a baby girl for Thomas and Martha, another shocker, and, uh, yeah, uh, at least Sandra's made it I suppose
1: yeah she certainly has and to Sandra she has shown everyone that she can do it so good stuff exactly yeah. exactly
0: any notes about the episode John just a quick one I didn't I for
1: some reason didn't mention it when we were talking about um Mr and Mrs P mm-hmm. coming um, Back together again, or reintroduced to one another, but there is a you know a real emotional moment where Alfred has gone off to save London from the real Stormcloud device, and um, which is you know just a moment shared between Mister Pennyworth and Missus Pennyworth, and you know mm-hmm. she feels she's got her husband back that you know they can begin to rebuild, but it, it's in this moment where Alfie's dad pulls the plug on himself on his life mm-hmm. support system yes. uh, and passes away in effect killing himself yeah. um as his his you know his wife has gone back to to get some tea or get some biscuits yeah, uh, for, nice you know there's also this like comedic touch to it because The sound of the machine turning off is effectively like um, a deadline telephone from an old style telephone where it's like beep, 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 beep. It's very kind of, you know, the Star Trek kind of thing as well. We
0: used to have landlines at home when yeah. we were younger, both of us, because we're, we're old now, but uh, we used to have landlines and you would hear the deadline, uh, tone very often, uh, on, on, phone lines. So, but it, it really did sound like it. And I know the way you're making it sound, it does actually sound like the machine in, in a, in a hospital as well, but yeah. that's why they chose it. Yes. And probably for, for. Some of our younger listeners and younger viewers of of Pennyworth, uh, they may not recognize that tone and may think it is uh, a a hospital tone, but it is a phone line going dead. What I also love about the scene is um, she's having the conversation with him as he's dying and she calls him a silly sod, basically, and that's when his green light goes to red. The moment he dies, that's what he hears. She doesn't hear any of the complimentary things that Mrs. P says about him afterwards or the other criticisms that she says about him afterwards. He yeah. dies mid conversation.
1: But it is actually a really touching moment where she kind of cups his hand when she realizes that he's dead and that, you know, the, the plug has been taken out effectively. He's disconnected his ventilator that keeps mm. him breathing. And, yeah. um, and, you know, they have a real nice little conversation beforehand where, um, you know, she says, at last, you, you're being sensible, you know, and he says, no, I'm not being sensible. I'm being sentimental. You know, he's yep. happy that he's finally back with his wife who yep.
0: has forgiven him. and But still won't admit he was wrong. Still won't person. admit that he's wrong, but <laughs> he's ultimately... Saying, I'm not being, I'm not being sensible. 'Cause if I was being sensible, I'd still do the same thing and wouldn't have told you about Storm Tell it being sentimental, sentimental to yeah. keep your family. Yeah, exactly. So so that is a funny little moment for him that he's still not not admitting that he's wrong. He still believes in his beliefs, but for his wife and for his son, yeah. he'll save them. Yeah. And I, I think that he you know, he is
1: dying here um, anyway. I think the yeah, suit yeah. is prolonging his life rather than a permanent way of keeping him alive exactly. until old age old age you know so um it's just a should mention you know the death of mr pennyworth
0: as well because as well alfred is not there to see it yeah yeah absolutely um that's it for our coverage of pennyworth season two uh john how would you rate the episode
1: i would give this four crazy machine gun toting chaplains out of five (laughs) you know this is not your know, kind of usual final episode. It's got a lot of intrigue in there with um, the baby girl um, born to, to Martha and Thomas. Yep. Like, fantastic. And I really hope season three, if there is one, can just... Explore that. That would be really, really interesting. And <laughs> um, you have real crazy comic booky side of things with Gully and with Stormcloud and mm-hmm. Gully and um, becoming, you know, human bomb. In, in you know, and um, this this new weapon uh, that is being used to defeat the Raven Union. You have some really emotional moments in the Pennyworth household between. Dad, mom, and Alfie. Yeah, And I think it really kind of pulls things nicely together for this season, too. And I, I think, you know, if, if Bruno Heller was looking to, you know, a- establish this foursome of Lucius, Thomas, Martha, and uh, Alfred Pennyworth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those four pillars um, that are supporting Bruce Wayne in the future um, and are an inspiration to him during his life, then he has set that up. And I think it's all massively interesting and intriguing to think what can be taken further with a season three. So we'll see if we get a season three, who knows? But uh, certainly, uh, you know, we have the death of John Salt. We see the dispossession of John Salt from Mm -hmm. the Raven Union High Command. We see Francis Gaunt being a ruthless, you know, as as Field Marshal Thursday in terms of pushing their advantage yeah. and just in conventional warfare. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this really does wrap it up. So, I, I mean, yeah, I really kind of enjoyed this. Um, and I think the emotional moments coupled with the more comic book and mm-hmm. the the weirdness, the wonderful weirdness that I think you can really get from these these episodes was
0: fantastic yep true and Bruno so Heather yeah style. really good yeah yeah and just a reminder at the end of this season I remember this was a show that was filming half before covid and then got shut down um, I remember Jack Bannon was in a conversation uh, around the time that they went back to filming and and were finishing up the season and he was saying at the time that uh, things had to change Uh, Quite clearly, they came back and were filming during the time of COVID. They were one of the first shows back uh, filming. And he said that a lot of scenes where there would have been big battle sequences or big fight sequences had to be changed. So uh, so you had things like, I would presume, the standoff that we had in Raven Union headquarters where uh, lots of people are around kind of at a distance, pointing guns at each other, you kind of expect from the history of of Alfred Pennyworth in the show, that would be a bit of a punch-up. There'd be a bit of a dust-up there going on uh, yeah. with them. Uh, a lot of those scenes had to be filmed differently. Um, but I think they accomplished a really good ending for the show. We've seen uh, at least one other show that ended this year uh, that had some quite severe restrictions where we lost... Um, some major characters didn't get the end of their stories. Uh, I'm talking about one division here, John. Um, yeah, yeah, where absolutely. Some major characters didn't get the end of their stories because they couldn't come back for filming at the end, effectively. So, uh, so I think they did a, a really good job of wrapping up the story the way they did and making it feel like it was still as epic um, as the show has been for these last two seasons. So, uh, so I'm really hopeful to see if they what happens if they get a third season, uh, having worked under those kind of um, restrictions, I suppose. Uh, let's see what they what they would get in future. It'd, yeah, it'd definitely, definitely. We do have some feedback for our final episode. We did hold off on recording our final episode uh, until after it had aired, so we did get some feedback in. Uh, first up, Patrick Lemke responded uh, to our episode last week, our Season 2, Episode 9 podcast. He says, Great listen, I'm hoping for a third season of the show. In terms of where Alfred's story could go next, considering he'll likely be the country's hero by the end of season, maybe he gets another offer as an MI6 agent. After the Raven Union is dealt with, there could be other threats he could face before going to the US i'm reminded of a line in season 1 episode 4 in the news broadcast about germany and netherlands that could be a potential issue at the show's time that alfred as an mi6 agent could deal with
1: yeah that could be really really interesting thanks patrick uh, for that and certainly you know it could tie into um Thomas Wayne's CIA Mm -hmm. um, credentials and also with Martha possibly still being employed as an advisor to the English League Mm -hmm. about maybe removing
0: other you know, authoritarian regimes from around Europe. Yeah. That is, of course, when the Raven Union is dealt with, uh, cause they're still not dealt with at the end of the season, but, uh, but looking more likely and a little more powerful now that we have Gully on side. Thanks so much for that, Patrick. Also over on Twitter, uh, Debbie Fincham says, great twists, fantastic action scenes bring on season three after watching the finale. Yeah, Debbie, totally, totally with you on that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, great twists indeed, uh, Debbie. Yeah. yeah. Dul Bashitha says, it's a girl. I mean, how Batman never had a sister, so I thought. Combed through everywhere just to find a clue about who she is. So far, nothing. I need some frickin' answers here. I don't think there are any answers yeah. except for
1: the answer provided by Pennyworth uh, Dolshan. I think this is um, a a wholly new thing a holy guacamole new thing for for batman (laughs) yeah um and for the waynes and the origin is in this show that it was a love child between thomas and martha wayne and that has in part brought them together to be married and um i guess we I have no clues other than
0: that. Well, my speculation is that it's just another earth, just like all the DC comic uh, properties that have gone to, uh, to movies and TV. They've created another earth here. You know, they, they've made reference to the fact that Michael Keaton's Batman in the movies is on a completely different earth to Christian Bale's um, version of Batman is on a different earth to Ben Affleck's version of Batman. You know, uh, all of those are on different earths. So what we're seeing here, I think, is another earth where uh it's just a sister that that bruce wayne has uh, not as not as massively shocking as some of the other ones we've had we've had uh, an entire movie where the joker thinks that he's bruce wayne's brother um that he's born to thomas wayne and was thrown into a, a, a psychiatric facility right um so if that's possible surely it's possible that there's another universe where a sister is born right absolutely yeah. Uh, Dulcan uh, did respond to that and said, uh, so they're adding another Earth to the equation? Like we haven't had enough. <laughs> Thank God for crisis in that matter. <laughs> but anyways, that's a possibility Excellent. and a great answer. Uh, yeah, really crisis is, on uh, infinite Earth is when they brought all of those uh, various uh, various Earths back together, I suppose. Uh, so, yes,
1: a consolidation and rationalisation of the DC Universe.
0: Exactly. So, so good thoughts as well, Over uh, Overall email, Victor Seller sent us an email. Yes, Victor
1: says greetings all i'm a marvel defender but could not resist commenting on this season and your podcasts i truly enjoyed the arc of the psych sisters and Bets beatdown of salt mm-hmm. was shocked at the newly married waynes expecting a daughter i suppose much more will happen before bruce's arrival i question how a couple of their experience were killed by a street thug mm-hmm. in gotham congrats on your great podcast yours victor von doom yeah thanks so much victor for this i completely agree as soon as you mention it i absolutely uh understand um your reasoning around you know with their experience in general warfare in espionage in subterfuge um and being kind of you know pragmatic and and all that that uh, you know a, a street thug in gotham could
0: have been overcome but i guess as well they were just unlucky Maybe, yeah. Remember, they were they were at a point where they weren't expecting anything to happen. They'd just gone out to the opera with Bruce for the evening, or the cinema, depending on which uh, which version uh, of the movies or, or the comics that you've seen. Um, they were completely caught unawares by a street thug. And I'm not sure whether Thomas is that much of a fighter. <laughs> well, yeah, that's I true. I think Thomas well. is a bit of a talker, and that's kind of what happens. Effectively, at least in the majority of the stories, street thug tries to steal from Martha... Thomas tries to talk him down and the street thug shoots Martha and then shoots Thomas to cover up the murder of Martha. There's loads of other versions of this story. That's the general story. There's there's some where he's a hired killer, like in Gotham, uh, who's hired to kill the Waynes specifically. So he's an experienced street thug. But the majority of them is. uh, It all goes wrong because Thomas tries to talk him out of stealing from them. And that's why it goes wrong. So I can actually see this version of Thomas and Martha uh, falling into that situation. But excellent. Great to hear that you're following along with us, Victor. Uh, I know you're going to be following along with us for Falcon, the Witcher Soldier over on uh, our TV podcast industries coverage of that show as well. So great to hear from you. Yeah,
1: thanks again, Victor. Uh, Over on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries. Angie Ahu says, well, that was interesting. Didn't see any of that coming. What is Gully supposed to be? And a Wayne girl? I sure hope there is a season three so that these mysteries are explained. Thanks for another great podcast on this season, guys. Thanks, Angie. Yeah, thanks so much, Angie. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Interesting uh, indeed. I think Gully is just a weaponized version of Stormcloud in human form, basically. Yeah. But I mean. He's a comic book character it, now, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's, it's great to have, um, you know, possible connections with the human bomb, mm-hmm. uh, as was given by Patrick, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah. um, I think that's a nice little tie-in it certainly adds a more comic element to the season so far yeah and um, and to the the whole series in general i think yeah. um and always, yeah, yeah a season three would be great for uh some of these mysteries yeah. uh maybe see a bit more creep with superpowered individuals coming into maybe the non-Gotham verse, and yeah. um, seeing that it's
0: maybe a global phenomenon uh, and stuff. So yeah, interesting. Now, showrunners and, and writers of shows don't always get what they want, but initially, Bruno Heller and Danny Cannon, who created this series after Gotham, did say they always approach these types of shows uh, hoping to get five seasons. That's their kind of arc. Uh, that they hope to get as five seasons. So when they make these kind of big moments and big uh, declarations of what's happening, it is aiming to get to a point where in the future, as I think Bruno described it, Bruno Heller described it, in the future there will be a world that will need a Batman, will need superheroes to to take care of it. And the ways the way he's seeing it is, we're back in the 60s here, we are at the start of that world. So yeah. uh, so things will start to creep up over time where you will need a world that will need all the superheroes. So that's, that's their approach, I suppose. So... Uh, if we don't get a season three, I'm reminded of uh, I think was it Star Trek: uh, The Next Generation that had the moment where they turned Captain Picard into a Borg and ended the season there, not even knowing if they had a following season. So they ended up with this really dark moment, the corner that they couldn't write themselves out of, effectively on purpose, so that they would be hired on for a next season to explain what would happen. So I wonder if uh, if Bruno Heller has used that trick here. How does he write out write himself out of this corner that he's put him in, put himself in uh, in at the end of season two?
1: Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Angie. And finally, Shelby Dockery
0: echoes the thoughts on Facebook of a lot of
1: people watching Pennyworth. She says, I can't wait to watch and hopefully get a season three renewal too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a season three would be really nice for this show given, I think, the, the ending of... And the Wayne girl, as Angie says, and also I think with Gully and superheroes Uh being kind of introduced for the first time into the show. I think it'll be really, really take it in a different way. Uh, it'd be really
0: interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's hope we hear some more from Bruno Heller over the next couple of months. Um, if they do start filming again, traditionally, they start filming sometime towards the summertime. So we've got a few months to wait before any kind of confirmation uh, will be coming out about a season three. But uh, I'm excited to see what they do in the future. Even if they take it up and do comic books uh, from the scripts that uh, that Bruno Heller has written, I'd be happy to read them. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's great having fresh new approaches to um a world that we know
0: exactly exactly once again fellow Gothamites and fellow governors thanks so much for joining us for another season of Bruno Heller's Hellerverse yeah Hashtag restore the Hellerverse. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast over on TV Podcast Industries. You can find all of our podcasts over there. As we mentioned, we've been covering Falcon the Winter Soldier and also Invincible on a weekly basis. Uh, we'd love for you to join us for those podcasts. We will return if there is a Pennyworth Season 3 on the Pennyworth feed. And we hope you return to join us for any one of our upcoming podcasts.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, fellow governors and fellow Gothamites, for joining us on this final episode chit-chat uh, on Season 2 of Pennyworth. Uh, it has been great speaking to you, as always, and uh, can't wait to speak to you again soon. Bye. Sláinte vá. Bye.